0: Love Talk Radio Hi everyone, welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show I'm your host, Marsha Witeka Conversations plus connections equals community Those are my three C's The heart of my show is what's your story It's my belief we all have stories Some are similar, others are uniquely different Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me today. This is actually going to be the last show I will do for 2019, and I just want to say just very quickly Thank you to the 73 guests that have joined me this year. It has been a blast. I'd like to tell you about my guests today. So joining me today are Sharon Schlesinger. She is the Metastatic Breast Cancer Committee founder and chair, and Dr. Joss Neiman. He's a metastatic breast cancer researcher and a Susan G. Komen, Los Angeles County board member, as well as a metastatic breast cancer committee scientific program chair. Welcome to the show, Sharon.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having us, Marsha. I'm excited to talk to your audience.
0: Me as well. Hi, Marsha. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome, Josh. This this is a really important show. Um, Globally and personally, the show is all about the wonderful work you're doing in metastatic breast cancer and about this conference that's coming up on January 4th which is really, really important. But I thought before we got to that conference, I always like to start the show off with getting to know you. It's kind of that song, getting to know you. And so, Sharon, let's just start with you. Could you just tell our audience a little bit about yourself?
1: I, I would be happy to. Um, I'm a breast cancer and cervical cancer survivor from the dark ages, before Coleman and before people really talked about breast cancer. Um, my husband and I moved here uh, to Southern California from New York, and I thought, I'm, I'm going to start volunteering. Well, that was uh, 20 years ago, and I'm now uh, what I call a career volunteer for Susan G. Coleman. About eight years ago, I realized that Coleman was not, supporting metastatic breast cancer patients the way they should be supported, especially since that is the cohort where people die. In fact, 42,000 of them will die this year in this country. And I felt we were not supporting them. We were not uh, helping them. We were not reaching out to them. So we started this conference, and the conference uh, is coming up very soon, and Josh and I are working very hard on it. Um, my family—they um, are, are kind of spread around, but my husband and I uh, live here in Thousand Oaks. And my background—if uh, that's actually—that's not all that important. Uh, come from Wall Street, small business owner background, uh, novelist now. Um, And Hmm. that kind of gives you an idea about me. And uh, Josh is really the more important person on this phone call because he is actively looking for a cure and relief for these patients who I just am passionately supportive of and care about. So, Josh, you tell us about yourself. I'm going to take over Marsha's job.
0: (laughs) but, But before you do, before you do that, there is the emotional part of cancer, whether it's breast, it's wherever cancer is. It's touched my family. My mother passed away from breast cancer many years ago. So many of us that listen. And emotional support, Sharon, cannot be undervalued. Yes, we're going to hear about the remarkable work that Josh is doing. I've, I've spoke with Josh prior to the show but please don't um, um, suggest that what you're doing doesn't, especially as a survivor, someone that has experienced this firsthand. So I want to just let, let you know, Sharon, that I also value what you're putting together to make this conference happen. With that being said, the disclaimer is over. Josh, it's all yours. <laughs> tell, tell us about the brilliant career you've had and where you're from and just a bit about yourself.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, So I'm an assistant professor of uh, neurological surgery here at uh, Keck Medicine at USC in Southern California. I'm also a a professor in the Norris Comprehensive Cancer Center. Um, Before, you know, I got my professional academic uh, positions, I actually grew up in the San Fernando Valley in Southern California. Um, I'm a son of a scientist, which I'm very proud of saying. Uh, My mom was a scientist, and that's how I you know where i got the the energy and the and the enthusiasm to go into science and medicine um and currently you know my lab at at USC uh we do research on metastatic breast cancer especially the you know the type that goes to the brain and um i'm very fortunate you know at the same time to be a board member for Susan Komen and um, the way you may think, well, what is someone working on the brain? What are they doing studying breast cancer? And it's because, and I'll tell you later, more women are being diagnosed with these metastatic uh, tumors that go to the brain. And the way I connected with Sharon, who I adore, and you could hear, I mean, I I agree with you, Marsha, her Mm -hmm. energy and her enthusiasm. And just, she has a good heart Um. I connected with her was through Susan Coleman and the reason I am part of Susan Coleman's board member is um fortuitously Susan Coleman gave me my first metastatic breast cancer career grant almost four years ago and after my grant was done I decided to join the board at at Coleman LA to sort of pay it back, you know, pay it forward. Um because they have been so supportive of our research here. And um, through that through that you know connection, I got very you know I got lucky to meet Sharon and help her put this very meaningful uh, conference together
0: uh, it's it's beautiful how long How long have you been associated with the Norse Comprehensive Cancer Center at the Keck School of Medicine at SC?
2: yeah so I've been here almost five years, and I have to tell you we you know um we have brilliant researchers brilliant uh faculty here um at keck who are working together to figure out you know these you know unfortunately you know these the, of of these stories of how does tumor cells spread how do how do they metastasize and um, I'm very fortunate mm-hmm. to be working here um with great you know, patients, patient advocates, um, scientists, and clinicians.
0: That's terrific. Well, just just so that people know, I actually had um, um, the – Mark Pylon is the uh, executive director, I believe, for Susan G. Komen, L.A. County. Because Susan G. Komen, for, uh, I, I'm sure people know that this is an Internet show. People are not just living in Los Angeles that listen to our show. You know, she has – um, that, has, that, that organization has a reach across this country. But what we're speaking about today specifically is what L.A. County is doing. And I understand that this is your seventh annual metastatic breast cancer conference. And I like the, I like the title, Creating Understanding One Community After Another. And just for those of you that will, are listening, and we'll be certainly talking more about this, for those of you that are local, It will be January 4th. It's a week from Saturday. And it will be at the City of Hope in Duarte from 8.30 to 5 p.m. And I'll I'll be able to get all this information to you that are listening. But I think what would be really helpful, Josh, and I, I think it's really useful for us, sometimes the terms of glossaries when people are working in a particular industry and they're very familiar with their glossary of terms, that doesn't mean that somebody else may not know some of these definitions so i think we should start with what does what is metastatic breast cancer what does metastatic mean you are the expert on that please please inform us about that
2: yeah sure so metastasis or metastatic really means spread now what does that mean um, and i always you know put this on a you know a plain level field because when you hear a woman or a man who is diagnosed with breast cancer, and like Sharon mentioned, you know we have almost over 250,000 breast cancer uh, diagnoses per year, um, and unfortunately, almost 154,000 of those will become metastatic or spread. And like Sharon said, over 40,000 will die from breast. So, what does spread really mean? Now, and I'll put it in the context of the research that I'm doing. So, when a A woman or a man gets breast-to-brain metastasis, where the breast cancer spreads to the brain. Now, it doesn't mean that that tumor cell or the brain is now cancerous, like a John McCain or a Ted Kennedy cancer, where the tissue of the brain is now cancerous. Cancer spread literally means breast cancers pick up from the breast. They swim through the body, through the pipeline of the body, so through the blood vessels, and they land into the brain. And what that means is now that breast tissue is growing in a different site. So if the analogy and I love, you know, I I always use analogy in my tools is is breast is very um like cottage cheese. But it's very fatty. The brain has a texture of flan or jello. So when my colleagues neurosurgeons go in and they open up the brain and they want to take breast to brain metastasis out, it's literally cottage cheese growing in flan or jello. And that, that's true for any other type of cancer as well. Prostate cancer that goes to the bone, for example. It's actually that original tissue which is growing somewhere else. And that's, that's, the, that's the key that what we want to take away, is that that's, that tissue is now growing in places where it shouldn't be. And, you know, a woman will never die of her, or the tumor in her breast. It is when that tumor starts traveling.
0: I, you know, I, I think this is so useful and so beneficial. I wish I would have had this knowledge that you're speaking about when my mother um, passed away in 1989 at the age of 60. I didn't realize when her breast cancer metastasized to the liver, I thought back then it meant that she had liver cancer. And what you're clarifying for me is no she had metastasized breast cancer that cells and tissues started growing in her liver do i have that right
2: that is 100% right and and i'll tell you one le- other level is that it's when breast cancer or any type of cancer metastasizes and they land in a second organ okay so for example in the liver or the brain it's not you know, it's from the original breast cancer cells, but they have to have evolved. They have had to have gained some advantage for them to grow in another site. And I always use this analogy is that, listen, if tomorrow, you know, we had to pick up and move to France. And, And so we were the original tumor cells, we were in America, and we had to travel across the continent to France in order for us to survive in in France, is to learn the French culture to speak the language of of the people there, so that we can gain access to food so we can rent a home or buy a home and so what these tumor cells, these breast cancer cells, as they are spreading to new organs, what we are finding out is that they are learning new ways of surviving, new languages and unfortunately, that's why therapy that was working for the primary tumor where the tumor was originally in the breast may not be may not work for when it's spreading uh, the tumor has spread and so that's that's the f- the the cutting edge frontier that we need to figure out what is it in those target organs that we could figure out and cure
0: that's interesting that you use that term because it it it, it automatically makes me think of this you use the word target organs and i'm just curious is there a typical i don't know if typical is even the right term is there one place in in our body, men or women, where the breast cancer cells more likely evolve than another? Were they metastasized? Yeah,
2: yeah that's a great question. You know, um, honestly, I think you should, you're you asking all the right questions. You may want to come and, you know, work in my lab. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no,
0: I'm just curious. <laughs> no, but these are all
2: great scientific questions that you're asking because Because, yes, because what we call those, you know, so yes. So j- just to tell you that, you know, the top four places that breast cancer will go to are, uh, are bone, lung, liver, and brain. And if you think about them, each of those organs has a different, what we call an environment, a microenvironment, micro meaning small, because it's cells. And so under those different environments, so for example, you know, breast can go about 50% of metastasis usually for breast goes to bone. And then, you know, a uh, lower amount, about 15 to 20% go to the liver. So you, we may, now you start asking these questions. Well, why is it that breast to bone is such high prevalence? What is it about that environment that is attracting these tumor cells? And so then you think about molecules and the way cells talk with each other. It's, imagine, you know, two people throwing tennis balls back and forth. That's how two cells communicate with each other. They throw molecules back and forth. And so that's an environment, and now you start asking a question of, well, what is it about that environment that gives these tumor cells a permissive requirement or gives them a proclivity to grow?
0: Right. Yeah. Wow. yeah, so it's, yeah. Go ahead, Sharon. What did you want to add to that?
1: Well, I, I just um... – I've known Josh for a while, and uh, he's been on the program, and he's been um, instrumental in creating the program. And when I'm at the conference, I don't get to listen to the speakers very much. And, <laughs> Josh, that was brilliant. <laughs> you really um, gave me a, a visual That I didn't have before. So thank you. I mean, I guess I'm just going to have to team up with you on these (laughs) interviews so I get to hear what you talk about because that was really interesting. Now I know why, Josh, now I know why when we do those um, surveys, those uh, program evaluations, you get such high marks. (laughs)
2: <laughs> no thanks. Boy, i mean one. you know it's all <laughs> it's it's teamwork you know it's uh, and i have to tell you i mean that's what this conference is 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 all about is is to bringing you know researchers uh physicians people who are at the forefront of all of all of you know all of this and 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 working with with people like sharon who are true what i call patient advocates you know they are even though she's mm-hmm. not a patient right but she is an advocate for this you know she's a voice you know, for those people that, you know, for those people that already have it or they've, she knows what, you know, as a, as someone who's gone through this, what others are thinking. And I have to tell you, I mean, this is ultimately, you know, I, I, I go th- to many conferences and I'm involved with many conferences, but this metastatic conference is very unique and special because it's not a two way, it's not a one way conversation where, you know, the experts get onto the podium and we just talk about it it's 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 a didactic and you know and it and it and it gives me joy to honestly to sit at the round tables after words and interact with with patients and their family members and really try to figure out you know what is it that they that they are worried about because I think of you know i i have you know i have little small kids and the way I think about it is that knowledge is light. And my, you know, my kids, you know, when they were younger, you you think that at night times they're scared because there's a darkness in the room and they're trying to sleep, and there's a monster in the closet when the lights go out. You know, for patients, that's what cancer is. It's 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 being in the dark, and you know, there's a, this monster that has invaded your life. And for us to teach. And really talk with patients and their caregivers. It's not going to take the monster away, but it, if you can describe what it is, then you're not in the dark anymore. And you can, you know, to a certain extent, you could face what your monster is, and it's not this abstract concept anymore.
0: I would absolutely echo what you just said, Sharon. I'm a visual person as it sounds though you are as well. And what Josh is doing is he's painting a picture. I I so missed the opportunities when I was actually in a radio studio doing my shows where I could visually look at my guests and, and read the body language and, and sense the sense what, what you're saying. Uh, but that's not the case any longer. But even though this is a podcast and you could all, we could all be in our pajamas right now, which I know that's not true. But it is—it's the visual, and, and it—but it, you know, it's true. It's the visual, and and you have said some really profound things, like knowledge is light and patience being in the dark. Who can understand what that means? It's—it's a—it's. It's, thank you, Josh. For I can see why you are um, a guest speaker. But, Sharon, I wanted to give you an opportunity because I think, like I said earlier, your value is important. You're not speaking about your sister or your mother or your best friend. You know from personal, personal experience. And I would be interested, if you don't mind, sharing your cancer story with us. Because it was quite well, some time ago, as you said.
1: Yeah, it was. And actually, uh, your mother and I were peers in that uh, cancer journey, because I was mm-hmm. diagnosed in 1987, um, but I've never had uh, recurrence, and I've never um, been metastatic. And, and in a sense, my cancer story may have ended there. However, in my head, it never ended, and it will never end. I will always remember mm-hmm. and think about the fact that I have had cancer. And when I got diagnosed with both cervical and breast cancer, in the same time frame and it actually was treated for both in the same uh, operation, um, I, I thought I was going to die. And there's something about, you know, being in your 40s, which I was then, and thinking, uh, how do I prepare myself for death? And this conversation mm-hmm. goes on internally in every woman's head. No matter how they appear on the outside, how am I going to die? When am I going to die? And what is that going to be like with a metastatic mm-hmm. patient? And, Marsha, I have to tell you, all my best friends now are metastatic. Uh, and I watch them day after day after day. They're always in treatment. They're always taking drugs that make them sick, that make them nauseous, that give them diarrhea, that make them exhausted, just to stay alive. That is their primary pri- priority: to stay alive. But to do that, they have to suffer. But when you meet them, you'll see. Um, if if you've ever known a metastatic, well, you knew your mother. I mean, she had a mm-hmm. spirit in her, didn't she? She had she, she had did. a desire she had a desire to live and she went through mm-hmm. some horrendous times and i don't mean to remind you of that but no. i think that i think that we need to understand better what it costs to stay alive when you're metastatic
0: it, you know you um yeah Whew, you brought up some memories and it's really interesting way before pink was the color what yeah. we think about for breast cancer. I mean, we're talking a long time ago. My mother's favorite color was pink. And when mm. she would be laying in her bed with this extended liver that had to be tapped and tapped and tapped and tapped full of fluid, if I went into her bedroom, oh my God, I can't believe you're making me say this, you know, and I would wear pink, and if she smiled at me, I was able to echo it right back to her. It was like she was giving me the courage to support yes. her. I don't know if that makes, yes. sense, but it makes that exactly. sense. It, oh, it, it makes absolute
1: sense. It makes absolute sense. Oh, my goodness. Marcia, I've yes. got goosebumps. Um, because you define it okay. so, so perfectly and yes. properly, the strength of these oh. women hold up the family around them.
0: Yeah. Um, so, was, yes. Well, anyway. it's, I'm, I'm so sorry. this We're is, why I'm,
1: answer, uh, I, Marcia, this is why I'm passionate. Marcia, this is why I'm passionate, because of these women.
0: I, I believe that. And you are, are, you're you not a board member with Susan G. Coleman, but you are a volunteer. I was for six years. I was oh, so for you've six years. so a board years. member as well. I, okay, and that's,
1: fine. that's when I realized, Marcia, that's when I realized that Coleman, at the affiliate level or at the national level, was not providing the support to metastatic patients Mm -hmm. that was needed. And that's why we started this conference, the first one in the affiliate network, and today, this year, there will be 33 conferences across the country put on by the affiliate network, and it's because of what we started and as we get on with our conversation, um, I'll let you know what else we're starting here in LA County. Perfect. So l- Let's, let's 33. continue on. Absolutely. 33. And, 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 and Coleman Headquarters' goal is that 100% of the affiliate network be engaged in metastatic mm-hmm.
2: outreach. Mark, I have to tell you, Sharon more. is a trailblazer. Yes, I mean, she's, I mean, I when I first, when I first um, came on um, uh, and it was, you know, Sharon was the one said you know, we met very fortuitously because I have had patients come through my lab and patient advocates and a patient advocate um, actually introduced me to Sharon before I became part of Coleman's board, you know, board member and mm-hmm. when I met Sharon, you know, her energy and her enthusiasm, um, we, you know, we met at a coffee shop, you know, near where we <laughs> both live, actually in between where we both live because L.A. is so big. Yeah. You never live close to anybody. <laughs>
0: um,
1: <laughs> right. Um,
2: and we, you know, we would have these, you know, these coffee dates, as I, as I call it. It wasn't coffee meetings because meetings are are very, you know, they're not personal, but we had very personal meetings and mm-hmm. um her energy really came through and i said you know i i want to be part of this and i said whatever you want me to do i will be happy to do um to bring this you know to help you make this conference you know bigger and better and what you know wherever we you know wherever you want to go but sharon was you know she's a maverick oh
0: well i think that's <laughs> terrific you know i like system, that i'll be, I'll be for, that. You'll be a Maverick, right? This is, this yeah, I'll do that. A two-hour show. Um, but let so Josh, me just
1: say one thing could... about Josh. Yes. Let yes, me God. say one thing. I have to say this. No matter what I've asked him to do, he has never said no. He always <laughs> says yes. And I know he's busy. I know he has a lot of important things on his plate. But he never. God bless him, Josh. God, God bless,
2: bless him you. Is right. No, thank you.
0: All right, so we're going to continue this love affair. So, um, <laughs> Josh, maybe you could just maybe you could just briefly. Well, I really want to talk about the conference, and I, I I'm Sharon. Yeah. I want you to tell us about the breakout sessions. But Josh, could you just tell us a little bit about who your speakers are um, at this yeah. conference?
2: Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. So you know, we we've put together um speakers that you know range the spectrum from from research to clinical trials all the way you know to coping mechanisms so i mean i'll just give you a a menu of of who's going to be talking i'll be you know talking and i'll be talking about you know the basics of breast cancer breast cancer research and how do we actually you know, we want to do is we want to bring the audience in into, well, how does breast cancer get funded? What is the research like on the, on, you know, on a very basic level? Um, I'll be speaking about that. And then I'll have, you know, a good friend of mine, Dr. Saul Priceman, who's also an assistant professor at City of Hope. He's an immunologist. He's a car carrying immunologist. He's going to be talking about the latest in immunotherapy for breast cancer and metastatic breast cancer. And I have to tell you, you know, Saul and I, we actually, and we did not know this until, you know, I I did my fellowship at City of Hope, and that's where we met initially. And he and I actually went to junior high together. And we, you know, yeah, and we talked about how the world is a big place, but it's yet not a big place. And so we, when I was there, we started collaborating on um, doing some initially translational. We'll
0: go ahead and let you it's live. Sorry. It's okay. It's what happens. That's a problem. Go ahead. So you're talking about Saul?
2: Yeah. So I was talking. Um, Saul and I, we started working together when I was at City of Hope, and um we started looking I was looking at brain metastasis then, and he was looking at it from an immune, from an immune perspective, so immunotherapy and coming out with better treatments and um, some of the work that we ended up doing, which were in in small animals then where we test things he actually i'm very proud after I left he now has gotten funding from what's called the California Institute of Regenerative Medicine. It's called CIRM. It was initially, uh, CIRM was an agency or is an agency that uses uh, bonds, taxpayer money to push forward sciences. And he actually got almost a $9 million CIRM grant to do a clinical trial for metastatic breast cancer patients who have brain metastasis um, utilizing immunotherapy and um, I'm very proud to say that I was part of, you know, this initial, you know, s- you know, studies, and now he's taken it to the clinic, which is exactly what we want to do. And so he's going to be talking. And then we have um, Dr. Badur Salahia, who is a professor here at Keck, and sh- she's going to be talking about what, what it is, is is how researchers and patients work together, and she has an initiative called the Bench and Bedside Initiative, which Sharon has actually taken a part of um, recently here. Um, so she will talk about that. And then we have Dr. Warga, who is a uh, uh, who is a physician at Long Beach Memorial. And he's going to be talking about virtual coping. So coping mechanisms, um, more of uh, psychological co- mechanisms of, of coping with stresses. And I have to tell you, he is great. He has, I'm not going to, you know, steal his punchline or his, his, his talk, but he has amazing, amazing uh, anti-stress mechanisms uh, that even I listen to because, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to apply to cancer, but he is right. an amazing uh, speaker and he has very, uh innovative techniques that he uses. And the last two speakers we have is Mm -hmm. we have um, Dr. Ellen Cohn from from UCSF, and she's one of the program directors for the breast cancer trials. Uh, And she's going to be talking about cancer trials and specifically for breast cancer. And with that, we, we end the program um, with Dr. McGregor, she is, you know, she's a director of medical affairs at Foundation Medicine. So what Foundation Medicine does is, they do genomic profiling of tumors, um, and 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 you know what information patients need to know about their genomics, which could help them with different treatments. And last okay, but not I least, we have our, yeah,
0: I got to interrupt you because you used a word that's like, huh? I'm, I've never heard the term genomics. I don't know what that means.
2: Yeah. Genomics. So oh, Okay. So that's a great, I mean, genomics is, so have you, okay, I'm going to start off at a very high, you know, level. So you've heard of BRCA gene or for breast cancer yes. genes, right? Yes. So, so genomics is just, remember, DNA, okay, going back to high school uh, biology. And what ends up happening is actually tumor cells, you know, they, have, they start expressing different things, they start expressing different things that will give them that proclivity to grow in different sites okay and so they need to access their their dna and their the, the machinery in their in their in, in their cells and certain certain parts of their machinery will be on overdrive just like a car that is you know that is that has been tweaked uh, and to have for example a turbo engine and so tumor cells have certain turbo engine type of mechanisms that we can measure, and these are called genomic changes, and we can measure those changes that these tumor cells have, and with respect to, for example, foundation medicine, um, or any type of genomic testing, you can see what turbo drivers are on in different cells, and you can see if, well, are there therapies, are there drugs that target those, Because, because you know the analogy is that you know any type of cancer let's say in, in this specific breast cancer normal cells drive at 50 miles per hour on the on the highway cancer cells drive at 100 miles per hour and what wow. we need to do is slow them down okay we need to slow them down or basically turn off their engines and there are certain key drivers or mutations or genetics in them that make them go 100 miles per hour. Hmm. And what you want to do is tweak those. Mm-hmm. And that's what genetic mm-hmm. genomic profiling does is it's sort of taking a a picture of their of their of their engine and saying, "Okay, well, oh, this part of the engine is going way too fast or there's too much of this gene that is turned on." And well, if it's turned on, can, is there a specific drug that can target this part of the engine to either, you know, slow it down or actually kill that tumor cell. We're at that level now where it's now not looking at the whole tumor, but now going under the hood.
0: God, Sharon, he draws a beautiful picture, doesn't he? All right. he
1: does. He does. He does. I'm thinking thinking way ahead to the next conference. You're going to uh, trot out all your – (laughs) <laughs> all of this in one in one um, keynote speech uh, all of these visuals oh my i think God, the no whole shitting. world would love that
0: <laughs> you you bet so you know so Joss has just uh, shared these five um um speakers that are going to be speaking um and uh but are they going to be maybe you could kind of help us understand so are there going to be breakout sessions for people How how is that going to all work for your
1: well, we're, we um, we have um, one set of breakout sessions, and what it is, it's geared to divide the audience up into different segments based on how long it's been since they were diagnosed. So we're loosely um, calling these tag uh, these categories the newly diagnosed, you know, brand new. I mean, I I have just seen somebody register who was diagnosed earlier this month and okay. can you imagine she's at C and then the next mm-hmm. category is sort of the intermediate. It's been, you know, a year or two since they were diagnosed and they've gone through initial treatment and they're trying to get on their feet and um, they, they have questions um, uh, for about finances and legal issues and coping issues and should I get a palliative care team and what does that mean. And then the, the last group uh, is um, what, what we might think of as the old timers these are the people who were diagnosed some number of years ago and uh, don't get me wrong everybody doesn't uh, fit into the same um mm-hmm. set of statistics people do live beyond their original i don't know expiration date and that's a, a funny way to put it but they they mm-hmm. were prepared to die much earlier, and they have survived through the current advancements, through their own um, stubbornness or or, uh, their faith or whatever the components are. Nobody kind of knows what makes an elite Mm -hmm. responder respond, but there are people that have been living with this disease, putting up with the horrendous medications, and now they've turned to patient advocacy, And what I'm trying to do is to tell this audience the benefits of becoming involved, that it not only benefits the community and the whole objective um, of uh, creating a better quality of life and expanding that span of life, but that it, it also will benefit them to give them a purpose. So we have these three breakout sessions with information in them that is geared to where they are in the journey. Uh, we have uh, we have thirty one speakers on this program. If you count all oh the panels goodness. and you count you count all the metastatic, metastatic patients that are going to be um, you know telling their part of uh, the message um, and the message. What is kind of buried in this theme for the conference, mm-hmm. reaching out and helping one community after another, because the other thing that I discovered, and it 's not a new discovery because i 've watched it happen at every conference. I look around the room and I said, Where are all the other people that live in Alley County? Why is this audience look pretty mm-hmm. uh, this much the same. And I realized that we were not reaching the minority populations that L.A. County is made up of. I mean, we are all minorities now, Marcia. There's, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no what? majorities. There's Everybody's a minority. Um, and we're not reaching them. And I thought, well, is it language? Um, are there cultural barriers? Why is it that The minority populations, for the most part, do not reach out to us for support and for help because we can. Coleman can, and there are many organizations in LA County that can help them, but they do not reach out. And so what we started this year is um, we'll have um, collateral materials and interpreters on site to speak to five different languages, English certainly, then Spanish, Chinese, Vietnamese, and Korean. That's the beginning. Next year, I'm going to add other languages. But eventually, I want to be able to speak to everyone that lives in L.A. County. Now, Mm -hmm. there's 224 languages in L.A. County, but I'm not, and I don't think I'm going to get that far, but I'm going to talk to the major population groups and get them engaged, understand the cultural barriers that get in the way of their receiving care or support, and this is this conference is the first, what I'm calling international conference, because I have um, Komen Global um, introducing me to people around the world, and I'm promoting the live streaming of this conference to all the countries where these languages are spoken natively. Because the United States is has information that is valuable, and, and somebody like Josh who can explain it visually, um, and, and I know that we're going to have um, maybe... If if we reach the goal that I have of 50,000, we're going to have a lot of people watching this conference remotely from their own homes, wherever those homes might be.
2: You know, I have to tell I you, last year that, on Facebook please. Live, we had someone from Ghana that, you know, um, as far as, you know, on the African continent, they were watching, and I think Sharon is right. I mean, you know, with, we know, I mean, your listeners listening to podcasts, I mean, we're just not limited to just, I mean, even though we are all in the, Southern california Basin, we're not just limited anymore to just you know spreading the information um to southern california we i mean it's 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 really a pun, but we're actually metastasizing or spreading the good information out yes. globally yes yeah you know, well, that's, no, that's, that's another visual that's, that's a good way to look at it that is
0: a that is a really good visual, and you know another thing that just occurred to me. And maybe this will be something down the road because, obviously, the seventh isn't your last. Um, perhaps at some point you're going to have people that are doing sign language as well, people that... Oh, my uh, goodness, that's Marcia.
1: Marsha. You know, what? I would. Call, what,
0: darling? <laughs> I
1: got a request two days ago yes. for a signer. And I, and I said, and I, this has been in the back of my head um, because yes. um, I thought, you know, do I need to do this? You know, how, how do we do this? What, what does that all mean? And um, so I reached out to Life Signs, which is a nonprofit that hooks you up with signers. And I got the cost of it, and I found out how it works. And there are different levels of signers. And uh, American Sign Language is not a world standard. I don't know if everybody knows that. But I'm looking into it, but I doubt if I'm going to make it this conference because I started so late. But definitely, definitely. I I I have that on my radar. Um,
0: I bet you I, I have
1: not been able to tell this woman yet that I don't think I'm going to make it this year. But it's definitely on my radar. And maybe we will. Well, maybe somebody, somebody we'll Maybe see. somebody listening in on on your podcast will say, "Okay, it's going to cost twelve hundred dollars. I'll fund that."
0: <laughs> I, I know. I know somebody. We'll talk off the air. Oh, um, whoa, so whoa, we, yes. <laughs> So um, we've talked a lot about this live streaming. We've talked about Facebook Live. You know, not everybody does Facebook, and so consequently that isn't going to, you know, sometimes that's going to be a problem. Um, you don't currently have all of the information on your face on your Susan G. Coleman L.A. County, which is very important you have all of that on Facebook. But very soon you will have all that information where people right. can just, watch it. But I also think it's also important and I and I am I right in presuming the entire conference that will be running from from eight thirty to five will that whole thing be on Facebook Live? Well
1: actually, actually we're gonna start filming at eight o'clock. The first hour and a half we're going mm-hmm. to be have a, a a man on the street sort of interview of oh. all of the community partners who are there to talk about what their organizations do and including two research projects are going to be going on on the grounds at that time one of them from UCLA and one of them from USC. Um, cool. We're going so so the um, um, master of ceremonies for this hour and a half interview segment um, is going to be um, introducing these people and talking to them in an informal environment. Because I figured, well, I've already got these people watching. I better give them something to watch from eight till nine thirty when the program commences. So we go from this man-on-the-street interviews to the program starting at 9.30, and it will be live-streamed in multiple languages until 4.35 o'clock when it ends.
0: Oh, my gosh. I
1: will be certain
0: to um, link everyone that maybe wasn't listening to our show live. I will make certain that all of this information is there, including people that may still want to attend I will be certain that through Eventbrite that people that maybe are local that would like to attend can go. I was, you know, as I was thinking about what you were saying about um, signing, the other thing I was thinking about, and and I, I have a feeling I know the answer to this, but I just wanted to be certain, besides the people that maybe have been diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, is this also a conference that's really great for the daughter to be going with her mom or the sister to be going with her oh. sister.
1: Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that because we encourage that. You know, the conference is free to everybody. Oh. And it's what I've free. what I've said to every oh yeah, free. I mean it's costing wow. somebody, but it's not gonna cost the mm-hmm. audience.
0: Attendees, <laughs> um, okay.
1: So so the um um I've I've asked the metastatic patient, you know, bring a caregiver, a spouse, a family member with you, and they can register them right at that time. And if they want to bring more than one, you know, I, you know, I'm, I turn a blind eye to, you know, some of these.
2: Sure. you know they
1: have more than one, but they can bring their support group with them, their family with them um, and it 's all free and we 're having breakfast, lunch, and a cookie snack in the afternoon. We have wonderful food and um, it it's uh, it 's a wonderful environment. I have to tell you, we even have an art display of art nice. by metastatic patients and it's it 's extensive because creative art therapy is one way that the patient copes and, and finds uh, an, an outlet and, and something else to think about. So we have this art on display, and it's all the way from beautiful oil paintings down to painted rocks, whatever floats their boat, whatever gets them you know, to, to some place of peace. So uh, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on uh, at the conference. And uh Marsha I I if you know, you're available, you know, you're <laughs> certainly you're certainly welcome to stop by and see what we're doing so that you can spread it on to your audience.
0: Well, one thing that occurred to me, 'cause I before I got into podcasting, I was one of those volunteer people. I worked at the Y M C A as well, but volunteering has always been sort of at the basis of what I've done. And I would imagine there are a lot of people that are listening, thinking, you know what? It's probably too late this year, but next year, I want to go volunteer. I want to help check people in. I just want to walk around and be an ambassador. I just want to make sure everybody's doing well. And I would recommend that people be in touch with you, and um, and and you can let me know uh, when we're when we're through if there's a way that people can reach you directly. I won't put you on the spot to tell me that right now. It will give you a chance to think about that. But certainly, well, the, people let, can go you to. you
1: don't. I'll, I can. I can uh, answer you right now. On the flyer right. that you've received, that phone number
0: uh-huh.
1: is my cell uh-huh. phone.
0: Oh <laughs> my gosh. Oh my! So god, anybody, well, then,
1: anybody can reach yep. me anytime they want. Uh, my and you gosh. know I have to tell
2: you, <laughs> like, like, Marsha. that? You know, if 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 you or anybody else, any of your you know you know audience and listeners are interested, and not just for you know our foundation, you know Susan Coman LA County, but any, but you can go on the County dot org website, and there is a tab yes. for get involved. And um, mm-hmm. that'll send you to a link of of filling out you know a form of of how do you get involved as a volunteer exactly with with Coman not you know for this metastatic conference or you know any of the other events that we have going on in LA. Um, I would highly recommend you know you go to ComanLACounty.org.
0: Perfect. I, I think that that I, it's a really comprehensive website I'm looking at it as we speak and and I would agree with you and I, I you know this is what you talked about the darkness and I remember what it felt like to to be a young woman with my mother being diagnosed and really frankly 3 or 4 years later that my father was diagnosed with prostate cancer which oh my also goodness. metastasized So, you know, you, and then you start, I mean, you know, let's just face it. Then you start thinking about your own health, going, well, dang. Sure. You know, so, yes, of course I take very good care of my health. Of course I have taken advantage of making, I've taken good care of my breast health, and so should my daughter. Um, I will make sure that people know how to reach you so that those that are listening, if they're not taking notes the way I am, uh, will be able to do that. I think it's phenomenal that it's free. I think that, you know, you've pretty much explained that who should attend is anyone that is interested in this subject, whether they are currently um, dealing with whatever their circumstances are. I'm sure that the medications that my mother Took many years ago. They probably, I don't know. Can I throw one out there and ask you if they still even use it, or should we just skip that?
2: You, you can, but yeah, go ahead.
0: Well, I, because it was in the early stages of tamoxifen, and that yeah. was one of the one of the pills that my mother took all those years ago. I don't know if it's if there's been advances in that, but I do remember knowing that tamoxifen was new new in that at that time. There okay. are I mean it's still mind. being used,
2: you know, but we are you know um we are getting you know we're we're understanding this you know this disease and and mm-hmm. I have to tell you breast cancer is you know i say it's a it's an umbrella because under- underneath it there are multiple types of breast cancer, and that goes back to the word genomics because you know you have what's known as estrogen or hormone. Uh, 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 positive tumors, and that's, for example, that's what tamoxifen is used for. And then you have, you know, Mm -hmm. language, you know, other subtypes called HER2s, and then there's triple negative. And so we are getting, you know, that era of if we know what under the hood these tumor cells can use to gain that accelerator advantage, then we can figure out better personalized treatment for those subtypes Mm
0: -hmm.
2: of those tumors. Yeah.
0: I remember the term because I had a friend that that was diagnosed with this term, and I hope I'm saying it correctly. But if I'm not, you'll you'll correct me. And it was called in 2 meaning that the cancer cell was encapsulated, and the cancer mm-hmm. is removed, and you have some treatment, you have some radiation, and then if all things go well for you, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna be diagnosed with breast cancer, that's sort of the, the one you want. Do I have that incorrect, or is that is there some accuracy to that?
2: No, and C2 means that it's it's <clears throat> it's exactly it's encaps it's it's what's called non-invasive, meaning it doesn't
0: invade. Right.
2: But I mean, it, just because mm-hmm. of it, if it doesn't invade, it doesn't mean that it potentially doesn't metastasize. It's at a lower rate, but yeah, that is. I mean, that it's an for if you look at it at 10,000 you know foot level, that is the right term. That it's it it means that it's encapsulated.
1: Mm-hmm. right and okay. and but keep keep this in mind and and uh, uh Komen has a, a list of symptoms for um metastasis um because what happens is that of all of those women that are diagnosed early about 30% of them are going to have a recurrence that will be, be metastatic and frequently they stop mm-hmm. They stop thinking about it, and they they um, attribute um, pain in their back to something else. And there's a delay in diagnosing the fact that they now are metastatic. So it's mm-hmm. important for people to be aware that there are symptoms that they should watch for. <laughs> Excuse me, and that that it, it 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 is something that needs vigilance. We cannot yes. stop. We can't assume that we're done with it, because mm-hmm. cancer may not be done with us.
0: There you I, go.
1: I've met I've met women who have had a recurrence thirty two years after their original diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I want to mention I, one other yeah. thing, and and that and you wanted to know about other um, events, and and um, mm-hmm. our, our annual. Um, um, more than Pink Walk. It used to be called Race for the Cure, <clears throat> but we changed it, and it's now More than Pink Walk because we wanted to make sure that everybody fit under this umbrella, um, that it encouraged all stages, including metastatic patients, to come to this walk. And I'll tell you why it's important. It, it's a joyous. It's a joyous event. It's a. It's one of those events where everybody that is there. Uh, There's no strangers on the ground. Everybody's there for the same reason, and that Mm -hmm. is to either find a cure or expand life or improve quality of life. But uh, the uh, More Than Pink walk um, that is held every year um, and held at all the affiliates is responsible for raising half of what Komen headquarters has donated to research in the past 30-some years. In the past wow. 30-some years, Komen has donated, has, has uh, granted over $1 billion to research. And in a, the affiliate network has raised the funding for half of that. They've raised a half of a billion dollars through these walks and races and that's why it's so important.
2: Yeah, and I have to tell you, Marsha, um the Coleman, yes. you know, the Coleman LA walk, um it's actually it's a, it's a very, you know, it's a unique day this year in 2020. It's it's on leap day, so it's on 50, February 29th. And um uh-huh. it happens at Dodger Stadium. And right. um the funds that are raised not just at this walk, but you know, now I have my board member hat on, it actually, you know, the, a lot of you know m- the funds go to research, community activities, um, uh, uh, for those that are diagnosed, for their caregivers. I mean, we have so many different programs, uh, within uh, the Komen affiliates. Um, that as a researcher, I love the fact that you know, a you know, majority of this money is going there. But it's also important to realize that while we are trying to strive for. To figure out the answers of, of curing this disease or stopping the spread we also need to remember the people who are living with it currently and supporting them you know meaning through various community activities uh, um, I'll give you for example you know we have at Coman LA we have partners with with Lyft um, services to oh. basically fund patients, you know, who need a lift to get to, for example, if they need, need to get lift to a doctor's appointment, you know, um, or get to a place where they need to get treated, and so there are, you know, these the the money raised goes through much more than research, and so the research is for the future, and but we need to remember also the people that are living with this disease right now.
0: Uh, really, and, and and I think. The other thing that I think that, that you made um, very clear as well is that, you know, yes, we are all in very close proximity. If you can say you're in close close proximity living in Los Angeles. But somebody that's living in another part of this country, um, I happen to know somebody that's very young that I just found out yesterday, um, 39, and has mm. just recently been diagnosed with um metastatic breast cancer and i just think it's important for people to really i know i think it's important you use the word affiliates and i hadn't really ever thought of that term that there are susan g coleman's everywhere i remember years ago and wasn't there a bicycle thing from la to santa barbara or a run or something like that when it was race for the cure Many 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 years ago, or do well, I have that
1: Well, there's a there's up? a there's a three day there's a three day, three uh, day that goes like. for six for 60 miles, and uh, that just concluded. It's every year, and um, I I think it starts in San Diego. I'm not exactly sure of the okay. route, but um, okay. every year um, there is there are thousands of people that walk 60 miles, and. Uh, the, those three days are scattered around the country, um, and they're run by headquarters, but the affiliate mm-hmm. network is the one that puts on the More Than Pink Walk, or some of them still uh, call it the Race for the Cure. Um, right. But but it, but it but it's it's how that that is what it fuels the uh, activities of the affiliate itself, as well as supporting the. Um, Robust research program that uh, Komen headquarters runs.
0: Well, and, and
1: you know, just I like this that, conference, you know, the, the fact yes. that it's free to the patient is, is because some some of that uh, support comes from the uh, uh, affiliate itself. So we mm-hmm. do many things. There are many many things that go on. Um, we give money to other organizations to provide services. We do many things directly. But it is, it is a complex network of support that we provide and support well, um, to, to our community partners.
0: It's phenomenal. And I can't think of a better way, frankly, to end this year on a show that has such significance for so many, many people. You brought up a thought of me that I had probably buried and just talking about this brought that up for me, and and so for people that have loved ones, and let's let's not forget that women are not the only one that gets breast cancer. Um, it, it men get it as well, and when anybody gets diagnosed with cancer, the reality is is that it's a family affair, um, yeah. and the patient 100%. certainly affected, but so are the children so are the family members, and and I think what Susan G. Komen does, I know I get those mailing labels every, you know, for c- contributing. Mm-hmm. Anybody can contribute, and you put your little, your address, re- returned address, and you've got that little pink ribbon there. People know that you support Susan G. Komen, and I just couldn't be happier. Uh, we, I know we could have gotten into more details, but I think what's important is that the details that we did get into were vital, and I can see why the two of you pair up so well together and and work on these conferences, and uh, I, when we get off the air, uh, I'm going to talk with you about a friend of mine that um, is, the, is the sign language, and who knows if it was something like that can just be pulled off at the end. She's local. So, um, anyway, yeah. something for us to consider, but for right now, I just I want to just say, I know it it sounds simple, just two words, but thank you, thank you for what two of you are doing in this in this difficult world of of breast cancer, metastatic breast cancer. It's
2: just been yeah, fabulous. Yeah, I mean, thank fabulous. you for having us on, the, you know, on, you know, on, and and really, you know, getting the word out that on, you know, that. The next, you know, this is the frontier that we need to figure out of how to stopping the spread, mm-hmm. the metastasis. And, you know, and, and I invite all of your listeners, you know, whether they can, you know, they can watch through Facebook Live or if you're in the Southern California area to come down to City of Hope, which is in Duarte, which is which is about 15, you know, minutes or miles east of downtown L.A. to come on mm-hmm. uh, to January 4th and uh, mm-hmm. uh, to. to to gain, you know, what we, you know, to gain this information, valuable information. We, we have well, we
1: have over twenty yes. people that are traveling from out of state, as far away as Boston. We have people that wow. come uh, to attend, and uh, that that tells you a little bit about how important they feel this conference is.
0: Well, congratulations, Sharon, for being that maverick. That person that Josh talked about At the beginning of the show And getting, it's, it's tireless This is really funny, I'm just going to do A side thing with the audience I talked to Sharon, I called Sharon About, I don't know, was a week or so ago and she graciously picked up her phone while you were. Were you on a treadmill or were you on a bike? I can't remember which. I, I, I was, but,
1: I, my daughter gave me a Peloton because she wants me to you know, you stay Peloton. in shape. So I was, I was, <gasps> oh my, I was huffing and puffing. So
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, that just goes to, I mean, it makes me just want to clutch you and, put, and hold you in my arms and just hug you and thank you for your generosity. This has been a just a marvelous show. And I'm I'm grateful for it, and I just wish all of you out there just a beautiful holiday season on however you do that with your family and friends. Happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, Happy Healthy New Year. And for those of you that can join um, by going to Duarte on the 4th, that's great, but I will make sure that those of you that can't join will learn more about it through Facebook Live through your generosity. So, thank you once again for being my guest today.
2: Thanks for thank having you, us. Russia. Happy New Year's, everybody.
0: Thank you. Okay, I'm going to play a little bye bye music, so here we go. <laughs>